0: how's it going everyone you're listening to free kick the aflw podcast and we are here for our round one review how exciting i'm joined by the gang as always how's it going Liam?
1: it's uh it's actually not going too bad Outside, I've kind of calmed down from the stress of Sunday night and having to deal with Kiara Bowers being out, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm sure many people will go will, will went through, and I'm sure we'll discuss later. Outside of that, I've kind of settled down to just being like happy to have a decent enough score, a Bombers victory, and some cash in the bank.
0: Very nice. And how are you? Well, how's it going?
2: I'm very well, much like Liam. I uh, actually decided to to take a pause from from fantasy and from uh, after Friday night, I went, you know what? It's too stressful. I'm just going to watch and enjoy the games and I'm going to see what happens after the round. And it made it a much more enjoying viewing until I looked at my score. Um, (laughs) But you know what? It was a fantastic first round of AFLW, some really impressive performances from both fantasy and non-fantasy perspective. So overall, I had a great weekend.
0: And what was your highlight?
2: My highlight was going down to Geelong to watch the Bulldogs get absolutely pumped by my team Geelong. Uh, it was it was very very exciting to to watch Geelong with a fully functioning forward line kicking a big score. It was super exciting, and I also got to chat with uh, Darcy Vecchio, who made the trip down f- straight after the, their game against Gold Coast. So that was that was an extra little treat. Um, and I also Ooh. need to give a shout out to uh, Brenna Tarrant for taking three match saving marks. To get Sydney their first ever win, that was a super exciting game to watch. Oh, yeah. Absolutely fantastic moment.
1: Yeah, I I also think that you might be great functioning forward line for Geelong. Think there might be some non functioning elements the Bulldogs too. Maybe I'm talking the positives, Liam. I'm players. talking the
2: positives. God, it was good to watch Geelong kick a big score, and I don't care that their opposition mightn't have put up a huge amount of resistance. A huge
1: amount, Will. Geelong scored the highest ever team fantasy score ever.
2: Yeah, it was pretty massive. I'll say that. <laughs> it was pretty impressive.
1: Well, it's a big it's a big weekend of firsts.
0: So we had Sydney get their first win, Geelong get their highest ever fantasy or a fantasy team score, like you said, Liam. Um, yeah, it was just such an amazing weekend, starting off with that game at Icon Park where the crowd was pretty much full. Um, that was just so exciting. And then I think even though... A lot of our friends at a pod did some absolutely amazing things this weekend and we're going to be talking about a few of them at least I'm sure later because they are incredibly fantasy relevant as well. But like you said, we Will shouting out Brenna Tarrant there for that amazing backline defence. We also had Laura Pugh just go above and beyond for Frio. Just nothing got past her, all over it, which was amazing to watch. Um, you know, Ella Robertson and Harriet Corner had great games as well but – we will discuss those, but also like Tam Luke, interviewee from last season, just coming back super fit, getting the hit outs, super strong in the tackles. That was great to watch. Also, you know, Gab Seymour, who Liam may poo-poo, but uh, good game, good to watch. And um, Jack DePie going for a shot on goal. Uh, you know, we heard from her that she wants to spend more time forward. So that was just it was just so exciting. Like I just have so much energy. I was so hyped from Sunday, and I also didn't really check too many of the fantasy scores as we went, because it kind of does kill my spirit. Um, but speaking of spirit killing, uh, I didn't have a great fantasy week. How did you guys go?
2: I reckon we'll start with Liam. I think he's the one that's pretty happy with uh, how he went.
0: Yeah, let's go from happiest to least happy. <laughs> Liam, how was your fantasy score?
1: Uh my fantasy score for the round was 1,388 points, and that puts me at rank 341. Solid. Kind of that still mm-hmm. bakes in some pretty average mid price selections and also picking the lowest scoring of my three rookie priced rucks, but I'll I'll definitely take it. And that's without Brie Davey or Georgie Prasparkas.
0: Well done. That's a, that's a
2: huge start. Yeah, like, great start. Really happy with that, you must be. Uh,
1: look, I, I'm happy enough, but I'm also tempering my happiness because I know what I did last year. I was inside the top 30 and then I didn't do well for seven weeks straight after that point. So we're going to keep it chill. We're going to keep it in perspective. Like there's still a bunch of things to fix.
2: And I got to say, that's basically the only thing giving me hope because I did the opposite of you last year where I started terribly and then just gradually got closer and closer to a, to the, not quite getting to the top 100, but just progressively improve my score. And that's what I'm hoping after this round. So I'll jump in now. I got a score of, uh, 1285, which gives me a rank just inside the top 3000. So 2,947. I think the thing for me was, was that. I basically had a very solid team output without anything particularly spectacular. With the exception of my two on-field rookies and my Captain Calamity pick, all of my players scored over 60, which I was pretty happy with, but I didn't really have any of those really big scores to really push me up into a, a higher rank. But yeah, I'll, I'll talk a bit about Captain Calamity and the uh, outcome of the Bowers Uh, thing that happened, as you all know. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. But, yes, if I had have picked a different captain, I might have been a bit closer to Liam, I think.
0: I like the idea that you're setting your expectations low and then working your way up kind of like you did last season. Um, I would like to say that out of all of us, I'm doing this in the most extreme way (laughs) because I'd like to remind everyone that I started round one, season seven fantasy third. (laughs) (laughs) Third place. And I've now started <laughs> round one, season eight Fantasy. You know what? I actually think I'm doing a public service here. Because I finished so low, we know that there is at least ten thousand people playing Fantasy because I have finished pretty much ten thousandth. Um so it just goes to show the volume that we've got on this game. Um I had a absolutely shocking score of eleven 1, hundred and fifty, and the only thing I can blame uh honestly is myself and my ADHD impulsiveness because when I had to do some last minute shuffling of the team on Thursday, I set aside everything that we have researched in extensive detail <laughs> and spoken about for hours and hours in the preseason pod. And I was like, you know what? I know better than all of that. I'm gonna pick some lowly owned specky players and see how they do. And there's a reason why we didn't talk about any of these players in great detail. Because they're not very good at <laughs> fantasy, so <laughs> I had a shocking week, but we'll get back to that later.
2: I think uh, I think Liam would normally call what you just did doing a will, so I'm glad it wasn't me this year, which is which is always a plus.
0: Yeah, yours paid off, yeah. relatively.
2: Yeah, I sort of did a couple of specy ones and the rest were all pretty standard, so.
0: <sighs> I think that's a round one to round one variation to beat them all.
2: Mm. Well, I think, I think basically what we can take from this for you, Mel, is you're basically going to show all the people who didn't quite start as well. So like how to push up towards that top 100 and really surge into the season after a poor start. Isn't that right?
0: Yep. I do like that there's no pressure on me now because <laughs> everyone's going to immediately discount anything I say. And then I can surprise people with things that actually eventuate. But anyway, um, we're going to do, instead of our plus and minus threes like we did last season, mixing it up a little bit. Thank you, Liam, for these fantastic names. I love got this. A,
2: I love this. Especially plus the second four. one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So a plus four for your best player, which is the Kiara Bowers Award mm. because, you know, above and beyond. And then a negative one Paige Scott <laughs> for, so for your flop of the week which is in remembrance to that beautiful round last season where Paige Scott, we all brought her in because she was going to be a aggressive, young, energetic new debut at Essendon and then she ended on a
1: negative one and screwed in, us all. In one, in fairness, she did have a great debut against Hawthorne, her best score in the 70s. It mm. was about round four or five when they yeah. played
2: Brisbane. Because I, I was the only one of us that didn't pick Paige Scott and up until that minus one, I was going, oh, I might have missed a trick here. And then that minus one happened and I went, Okay, no, I've, okay, I've unintentionally dodged a bullet there. Thankfully, she was my trade
1: out that week. But yeah. yes, the, we've, instead of plus three, minus three, we've got plus four, your Kiara Bowers award, and you've got your minus one Paige Scott award for flop of the week.
0: Let's start with you then, Liam. Who's your plus four? Who's your Bowers this week?
1: My Kiara Bowers plus four goes to Laura Effing Gardener. I have mm. been talking about her for literally months on this podcast, and her 50 point fourth quarter and 100 point total was immaculate, perfection. She had 13 tackles, I think. Like, she did all of this on just such a tiny little ground as well at North Sydney Oval. It was the lowest scoring fantasy game of the week. She was incredible. And it is, I'm almost considering breaking my rule of like having all the players in price order and she is going to sit at F1 in my team because she should be F1 at the end of the year. I, f- I mm. feel like
2: with I feel like with Laura Gardner like apart from the fact you've got uh, some of the premium midfielders there you just like you I want to make her my captain.
1: Like oh, I like, don't know about that.
2: No no not 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 from a fantasy <laughs> perspective but just like give her the responsibility just because she's like Like, as you say, Liam, like, you've been pumping her up all year. We've been pumping her up since last year. I'm just so bloody glad that she's actually got some time in the midfield because we brought it up last year. She was tearing it up in the VFL. She was clearly too good for it, but she couldn't get into that Geelong midfield. And now she's finally got the opportunity. We are reaping the benefits from a fantasy perspective.
1: Unfortunately for people, you know, I was hot on her when she was 2% owned. She came into the round at 20% owned. So for one in 5 people who are playing fantasy this year, you're welcome. Laura yeah. Gardner is a gun. You're going to enjoy it all year I reckon. I don't see anything in her game that suggests she can't Whoa. be around the ball all the time.
2: That has that has, has Jinx all good all over Adi-
1: <laughs> I, She She's as good as Abby McCourt. Like okay, I know I know that that's possible, but none of that looked like speculative, right? Mm. It was a high tackle game. She did well. Like, yeah, she didn't have a great first three quarters but 50 points, but no one in that game had a first, like, good start to the game. There was almost no scoring at all. The fourth point was fourth quarter was the highest scoring quarter.
2: Mm. I also want to throw out to the um, 2% of people who were, you know, on this with us at the start, we apologise for pushing it so strongly to get everyone else to get it because it's gone from being a, a little cheeky pick to now being a, you know, pretty, pretty standard one because the obvious benefit so good and bad i suppose
0: who's your bowers this week
2: yeah i couldn't go for lauren gardner because liam has been pumping her up so i went for my own forward pick i talked a little bit about this on the spaces if that was uh something that you joined us for or have listened to that episode but my plus four is darcy maloney she's always been one of my favorite players and i always knew she had really good potential finished last year with a couple of good scores. And was priced at an average of about 44 if my memory serves me correctly. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go Specky here. Darcy Maloney, F5. And she's pulled out a 93 points, got some CBAs, looked amazing. I was absolutely thrilled with it. So, Darcy Maloney, that's my four. I
0: love it. That's such a unique one. Um, it's also, yeah, just what what a- what a pull through there.
2: And, and she's still less than 1.5% owned as well, which makes me feel like I've, I've actually done a, a will for once where it worked, which is incredible, really.
0: I like it. And for mine, I've gone, <laughs> I really, really wanted Dana Hooker ever since that West Coast episode, Will, where you dropped your surprise will special on me and I was instantly sold.
2: And I'm devastated that I didn't pick it myself, if I'm completely mm. honest. <laughs>
0: And look, when Bowers came out, um, I decided to do some questionable shuffling. Um, Bowers down to Miller gave me some spare cash. So I took up Davison to hooker, which I really wanted to do anyway, because um, I had taken hooker out. So I brought her back in at the very last minute. She was sitting on my bench because of the way this works being the last game. So she scored an amazing score for my bench. Um, But I'm just so glad that she's back in my team. I was tearing my hair out in the first quarter, being like, "Where is she?" Um, But then she came through and did everything that we expected to see, and she was amazing. Uh, Made me 91 grand for my bench. Um, But she is already now that I've figured out how to trade people onto my field. She is on my field. Um, So that was a good one for me. Looking over at our Scotties. Well, oh, gosh, I feel your pain with this one.
2: I reckon there's going to be a fair few people in this boat. Now, a lot of people would have maybe gone to her from Kiara Bowers. I started with her, so I was that keen on her to start the year, and I was that keen on her playing West Coast without Bowers. I changed my captaincy to Hayley Miller, friend of the pod. She's one of our all-time favourites, but a 54 is just not good enough.
0: She's actually only 3.6% owned, and I don't know if that's because everyone since lockout lifted a few hours ago has immediately expelled her from their team, but actually, I did the same thing, kind of a little bit more by accident, but I actually don't know how many people are in the same painful boat. Uh,
2: Yeah, probably not. Might just be us. Yeah, probably. I think the obvious solution was to either keep the the vice-captaincy or just go straight to Swanson, and I did neither, and that was completely my fault. So, Yeah, I was just going to say, I reckon of that 3%,
1: anyone, there would be a lot more people that would have had her captain than you would expect, because I reckon it would have been 0.0% who had her as captain before Mm. Bowers was out, and whatever was afterwards, I reckon it could have been even close to a third might have ended up with Hayley Miller as captain. And by gosh, that was a rough watch. She was nowhere near the ball. She looked tired. She looked a bit lethargic. Nothing like the kind of dominant, line-breaking, powerful player that we've seen for two seasons.
0: Yeah, so for my negative one, it goes to the platform as a concept. I think we were in a unique situation where We're going into the last game of the round. We've got five, ten minutes before that game starts and the captain, you know, Bowers was 75% owned. I'm pretty much, I can guarantee that all 75% of those people had the C on her. We had ten minutes and no one understood how to use this platform. Do you, if you take Bowers out and put another player in and you've not assigned a C to anyone, what happens does it double your points of your VC does it double the points of no one does it assign the double the points to a random player does it assign it to your first forward player in the list no one understood what was going to happen and I think because of that it's really kind of soured it for me a little bit before that game because decisions had to be made and some of them if you're like me I do blame myself but also like I assumed that you had to put the C on someone so I put it on the only person that I could which was Miller that didn't go very well. So I just think, like, if you're going to be bringing out a new platform, make the rules clear. But Neg 1 over, we all learnt our lesson Mm. and what happens there.
2: Yeah, it was a a frustrating one for everyone, and I think that it was a very unique situation and one that we hopefully Mm. will not encounter again. Let's put it that way.
0: Liam, who's your negative one?
1: My negative one goes to Brooke Brown. Now, I have had inside word that her nickname or attempted nickname at the club is Chili, and by God was she cold because she was (coughs) nowhere near the football for far too long. She scored a pretty terrible 43, and I think it was two, two big issues that I had with her. One, just a distinct lack of observable thirst, and it's either she doesn't want the ball or the Bombers were not intent on chipping it around down the back. It was not great to watch whatsoever. And Brooke Brown, there was almost no chip marking in the Bombers' defense, and that killed Brooke's score. But the thing, the real kicker, the thing that I hate the most is four kick ins and only one play on to get the free points. So mm-hmm. there are nine missing points at a bare minimum, which takes a 43 up to a 52, which is basically what she's priced at. It doesn't suck nearly as much. But, by God, the one of four is the number that absolutely grinds my gears.
2: So, for those who don't know, if you're taking a kick out as a player, you have to play on and leave the goal square for the kick to be counted as a kick towards your stats. So, if you still kick the ball whilst you're in the goal square, you don't get the plus three. So, as Liam's saying, for whatever reason, Brooke Brown, one of the best running defenders in the competition, has decided not to run and kick, but Mm. has instead just stayed in the goal square. Given away a stat... And the points. So
1: she wouldn't care, but you'd care.
2: There are some players who very clearly just take one step out of the square before kicking so they can get the stat. Okay. so nice. But I will say, I will say, just watching the games across the weekend, there are a lot more kick-ins taken from the goal square than I've seen previously, which was quite interesting.
0: Do we think this has got anything to do with that rule change about the throw within the goal square, or within the 50 coming from the boundary and not 10 metres in?
2: It's possible, but I think, yeah, it surprised me a bit. I think it might just be that teams are being a bit more cautious coming out of the back line, which may be the case. But, yeah, it was quite surprising, to be honest. Well, there you go. Now over to Will for the Watch and Wait scoreboard update. Yes, so the Watch and Wait scoreboard, we're uh, putting the scoreboard up for what people have scored, your leaders, your top 100 markers, and it has been sponsored by my catchphrase, which is apparently being co-opted by Liam and Bailey uh, in the spaces, so shout-out to Liam and Bailey. Um, <laughs> but basically, very easy one this week, your leader, it's... Uh, Emin or Emon, I'm not sure how Eamon. they pronounce it because Emon maybe it's uh, got several N's and an M. Uh, and their team, uh, Judd's pressure points, which had a score of 1523, fantastic score. The top hundred marker is 1429, and that is Coach Matt J. So there were actually eight scores of that. So at the moment, wow. there's a bit of uh bit of leeway as to where that might be, but that will obviously stretch out as the season uh, continues. And uh, In terms of the highest in our free kick league, so the open league that you can still join if you are playing, uh, our good mate with uh, his team, Judd's Pressure Points, is actually in our league. So congratulations to him. Uh, So he's the top of our league. And we had 16 coaches in the top 100 actually in our league. So congratulations to all of them.
0: How many players do we have in our league in total?
2: I think I last
1: checked it was something in the low 400s, so low Mm. 400 conversion rate to a 30,000 team comp.
0: And can people still join? People
1: People can still still join, join. yeah, for sure. I'll retweet the the invite code so that people can join as and when you please.
0: Okay, so moving on to the hot topic. So now that we've done a bit of our wrap-up of the scores and whatnot, this is where we get into the media thing. So we're going to try and have three or four topics here or so we'll do some real debate on and this get largely informed by us but also we have a read of all of the questions that everyone puts out on twitter and pull those through and see where they fit in with our hot topic debates for the week so it's going to be a longer episode because we've got about four <laughs> <laughs> but let's get started with a common question from last season to bowers or not to bowers
2: yeah and i think i think that this is going to be a big episode because this is a big question like this is this is potentially a season-defining question like La- this the whole captaincy thing and the laid out for Kiara Bowles was massive in shaping how this year is going to be and we'll, we'll, we'll probably see its repercussions throughout the year but so much to discuss here
0: I think this also it almost fits in with our second question which is to Davey or not to Davey essentially we're talking about a midfielder who hasn't gone up in price from round one but is freaking expensive and a midfielder who a lot of people took out of their starting squad, who then had an amazing game, who is now quite expensive. If you don't have these two, one or the other, just putting them in a grouping there for now, do you do something to get them in? Thoughts, Liam?
1: So I think the the big thing in terms of like why Bowers is so important is she was at that, I think it might have been 72 or 73% when the round started. And then, by the time the round ended, she was at sixty percent. So there is twelve percent of the comp that now needs to make the choice to decide whether or not they're going to bring in, bring back in Kiara Bowers. And then there's another, you know, however many percent that twenty eight percent that need to decide whether or not they need to have Kiara Bowers in their side. Now, I think if we if you'd asked me this question when before we'd had uh, price changes then I would have said I'm going to have to try and find a way to prioritize bringing back in Kiara Bowers because she can absolutely ruin your ruin your year yep. as I learned last year mm. and, and as people have learned in the past, you kind of have to have her. She's a, she's a walk-up captain every week. Now, I think what changes that is the fact that we saw someone like a, an Ebony Marinoff who was priced at 110, and she went up above her price, that figure, but still lost 60K, mm. which means that if Kiara Bowers, like her effective break even goes up to like 140, 150, in all likelihood, I could wait a week and hope that she doesn't hit that like 150 score. And she does have some quieter starts to the year, which might then allow me to take a Britt Benici, for example, up to Kiara Bowers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I, I was one of the biggest beneficiaries of trading in Bowers the a week before everyone else last season. It's basically what my, got my season back on track. Trading out. No, trading, trading it in last season. I didn't start with Bowers last season. That's and I fine. traded her in when she s- just started to regain form, and it basically f- meant that my season went way, way better after that because I got a massive Bowers score the week before everyone else jumped on that. I'm with Liam on this one because – For starters, and I've told a few people this, I was actually planning on trading out Bowers after this round anyway, unless she scored 150, because I was worried that she's not going to be able to maintain that price. And we've got a few players such as Bree Davies, such as Georgie Prasparkas, who are probably going to average closer to what Bowers is averaged, maybe not as high as what Bowers is averaged, But they're going to be able to put out maybe a hundred, hundred and ten, while saving you what could be five, six hundred thousand dollars, which is huge. And that was why, for me, I was kind of like, "Oh, I think it's probably worth trading her out and maybe seeing if she can drop a little bit." But we know it's we know it's Kiara Bowers. She could come out this week, come back against um, who are they playing this week? Uh, Collingwood against she Collingwood. Had
1: 141 against them yeah, last year.
2: that's what I was about to say. Come out against Collingwood and just go bang, which is what we know she can do. And if she does that and somehow holds that price, you mightn't get her back. It's a huge risk to take. It's a risk that I'm currently taking, but I can't say for certain that it's 100% because it's, it's Kiara Bowers.
1: I think the other thing that tips it across is – she was obviously – we haven't actually talked about why she was laid out. It was as a result of knee soreness. Mm, now, yes. it's the fact that it's knee soreness in the lead-up to round one which has me really concerned for a player over no. 30 who has had knee problems before, like missed missed time with an ACL.
2: I, would, I think the other thing for me about this is I would be saying, oh, knee injury, missed a bit of time, that's a big worry. The only normally that would be like, yep, completely agree. And then I think about everything we thought about Brie Davy, <laughs> and, and 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 even though True. even though I know it's Kiara Bowers, she's a bit older. I just go, oh, I've been burnt there so badly before. It just throws yet another spanner into the works of this whole thing, and it's what makes this such a a difficult and pivotal decision.
1: Yeah, I, but I I think we we can't have too much revisionist history. So Bowers off of a bad preseason last year. Had three scores below 100 to start the year. Mm, correct. And part of the reason for starting with her this year was we had the understanding with limited information that she'd had a good preseason, and then you add in the fact that she was up against one of her like pet sides yeah. to dominate in West Coast, which kind of combined to this idea of she's a must-own and just set her on the path. Now, I wasn't like you. I was never considering considering trading out mm. um Kiara Bowers, because yeah. I would never want it to crystallize that loss because there's any given week she could become a captain, score 160, and completely destroy everybody's season. Now, it's the fact that she has a knee injury that is a worry.
2: Mm. And but yeah, then I- the
1: question becomes, if you've got her already, do you trade her out or you just leave her there and just hope?
2: Because mm. the one thing I will say about that trade-out strategy, it is a big risk. And it was a risk that I was essentially going on – Not for scoring potential, but more for uniqueness. Because I was basically Mm. thinking, I think a lot of people will hold it. I think that's very possibly the right decision. I just wanted to do something a bit more unique on this one, and it may be something that really helps me. It may be something that means that by round three, I am completely out of it. It's. I'd argue... Go, Mel. Sorry.
0: I was just going to say, I'd argue that before we saw how the prices interacted, Mm. that trading her out would probably be the unique pick. And when you're going for point of difference, which I know you like, that makes sense. But now knowing that she's probably going to lose money unless she gets an amazing score, she's a little bit injured, 12% of people have traded her out. I reckon if you've got her, you almost hold her for uniqueness because, yeah, she could lose you money every week for nine weeks, but she could be bringing you Marinoff equaling scores or mm. Davy equaling scores. And actually her price does not matter at that point because you keep her and you sit on her and if you need to trade her out in like week seven or eight then fine that if you've already got her I would hold and if you don't already have her I would wait
1: yeah and I also think kind of will to go into what you were talking about in terms of the premiums that scored really well on the weekend I think there's a reason to believe at least three of them will actually come back down to earth I think the, actually the most sustainable scoring of any of those players was inside that top ten was Jazgana with mm. her one twenty because she did kind of what you would expect in lower time on grad than you're expecting. She had Hannah Priest effectively plying a stoppage yeah. tag on. She her was she was after, being tagged after, by Priest after after the after kind of halfway through the second quarter. She still scored a one hundred and twenty point game. Yeah, she had the great first quarter, but like she can do that with one of the league's fittest players and, and a you know captain tagging her. Now, Georgie Praspankas, absolute gun. I think that's a great thing. I guarantee you there are now more coaches saying we need to tag Georgie. She had 34 touches at 72% disposal yeah, she efficiency, was which is outrageous. Unbelievable. But here's the other thing. That game, like I said at the start, it was absurdly high scoring. Like never had that anything ever close to that before. I don't think that Geelong can score sustainably that mm. highly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think one of, one of the, the other reasons – I'm going to start that again because I started coughing. Absolutely, and I completely agree with that. And it's one of the reasons why Bowers is Bowers. We just know that 120 is just what she can do, and it's why that Marinoff – has been such a high pick as well. She's one of the few players we know can actually consistently do that. So it is absolutely a risk moving on to a player, even a Brie Davy, who we know is a, a fantastic player, W award winner. Will they be scoring 130 every week? It's pretty unlikely. Like I think that w- we would all agree that Kiara Bowers is pretty much in a league of her own. And this is something we talked about last year, which is if you're going, if you're looking at Bowers, you almost have to just, don't worry about the price. It's just, it's Kiara Bowers, it's Kiara Bowers money, whatever. Um, but then I again, think, like I could see a world where she goes down like 200K. Yeah, absolutely. If she scores a hundred. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things like we talked about, you, you mentioned it with Ebony Marinoff. Ebony Marinoff scored 112 and went down nearly $60,000. That's not insignificant as well. And I think the one other thing for me Regarding Bowers is actually what you did with Bowers if you traded her. Because I mm-hmm. traded Bowers to Emma Swanson. Emma Swanson scored 104. It's kind of pretty hard for me to, you know, want to trade that out. She scored 104 and still went down $3,000. She, she beat her average by 14 points and still went down that much. It's, the, as you say, Liam, these prices are wild. And I mean, I know, I know we've talked a little bit about her already, but Brie Davy. Went from a mid pricer to almost being a premium straight away. She and is a premium now. It, it's one
0: hundred and seventy eight grand it's, increase in one game, which is crazy.
2: It's wild, and we, we threw up a, a a poll on our Instagram, which was you know, do you go for for Davy? And this was before the prices. Do you go for Davy, or has the boat already sailed? And most people said, "Oh, got to go for it." And if if we assume that she's going to score reasonably well this week, let's just say she gets somewhere near a hundred. It's not unbelievable to think that she could rise another 100000 This is the other thing, though, and I think it feeds directly into the
1: conversation, like, do you pick up Davey? We don't know what the break-evens are. Mm. Like, in the past when we played Marrera's Magic and for those who've played AFLM before, you that do That was a
0: key piece of information.
1: Yeah, mm. and that you can kind of get a sense of how much prices are going to change. And, like, to be honest, I think the communication around that in the official platform versus Marrera's Magic is a detractor week one. I'm sitting here going, I would have played a different strategy, played a different hand if I knew that prices could change this rapidly. Mm. Rookies become much less important. You probably run more mid-prices with great matchups round one. Like Mm. You're really refining your strategy. But for someone like Davey, I can only guess at how much he's going to go up next week.
2: Yeah, and I guess that probably asks the question of, is it now or never? If you don't go bow, uh, if you don't go bowers, if you don't go Dave this week, assuming you're keeping bowers, is that it? Is she all of a sudden just she's now a, t- a top price player? You're gonna have to do a sideways swat- switch later in the year if that's what you want to do. Mm. Like you
1: sit there and you go, yep, you you might have to never get her because if she puts out like a hundred this week, is she gonna go up another two hundred k? But then the conversely, you go, oh, I missed it. I could pick up Hayley Miller next, you know, a week after she goes a hundred. And if she does 100 again, because she, she's now priced so cheaply, hmm. like you're kind of like playing this weird, yeah, it, it it's just this completely different style of play. Like I can't guess what Bree Davies is going to be next week price-wise in any circumstances. I can't even like have a stab. At least with Bowers, the very least, we know what week <laughs> yes. one price changes look <laughs> like.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing is currently I'm trading Bauer, uh, Miller- to Davey, which there was originally about a $200,000 price gap between them. I am now trading Miller up to Davey after one Mm. week.
0: Yeah, crazy. Speaking of wacky price changes and the fact that we might never be able to get them again if we don't do it now, (laughs) um, the rookies, uh, what of them, they've pretty much all disappeared. Um, I'm going to call this section, I feel like we're going to do this fairly often. And for any listener that has listened to me this far and hasn't realised yet, I have a lisp on the letters R and W. I can't pronounce them differently. So this is the rookie rip around Uh, (laughs) in in honour of my terrible pronunciation of words. Um, And look, we've got quite a few questions about this already, um, given how price change is working, given how much, you know... um, I forgot her last name off the top of my head, but Schultz has made 154, Matilda Schultz, 154 grand. She's essentially gone from a rookie to, based on our cutoffs that we did in the preseason, mid-pricer. a mid-pricer, which was 450 grand as the cutoff. Look, we're going to do a quick whip through of, oh, I did it, a quick rookie rookie whip through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I, um, I'm, I'm going to keep this in the episode if only because I think we watched Mel top lip lip quiver for about a second as she tries to say the word whip.
0: (laughs) Oh, golly. Um, We're going to run through the best and the worst rookies, Um, but the big question of like, okay, do you bring in any of the best if you haven't got them already? That's a really tricky one.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just want to give some. I just want to give some credit to Muscles SC who asked this question on our tweet when we put it out on Twitter. We do that every week at the end of the round. Please throw your questions in there. And it basically says price changes are looking super extreme. Like, is there much value in trading in rookies who perform strongly this week? Are they making much more money, or are we basically just looking at like one game rolling averages? Is this like daily fantasy sports? Pick a player for one game because they've got a good matchup. Like. I think that's a really good question because mm. typically this first episode of the year is like, who are the rookies to have? Like it's fix-up trades for rookies or mid-prices where you've completely missed the role. But like it, I don't know if I want to trade in a player who's gone up 220K and they're now 500 and something odd and they play on a wing.
0: Mm. Yeah. So of the best, we had Marita Anthony, uh, 99. Tamara Luke on 87. Mm. Matilda. Matilda Schultz on 76, Harriet Corner on 74, Gene uh, Nans, and I can't remember Scanlon's Maddie Scanlon. name. Maddie Scanlon. Manly- Maddie Scanlon. So we've got some like real big scores from our best rookies there. Um, Will, what are your thoughts on any of these in particular?
2: Well, I've got some thoughts on several of them, to be honest. <laughs> um, Mariana Anthony, as we've said, 99, gone up a huge whack. You almost can't really justify bringing her in now because unless you think she's going to continue averaging 99 at a price of 500 and whatever she is there's really no point because you're not really making any money so you you basically your best option is what trading a one of your premiums down to her that doesn't make a whole lot of sense from normal fantasy parlance so it's, it's a really weird one. Just a, an interesting aside before I jump over to Liam, who, um, has a lot of, a lot of interesting thoughts on Mariana Anthony. I actually picked Mariana Anthony in Marrera's Magic <laughs> because she was lowly owned. And I mm-hmm. had a of one of three midfielder rookies I had, and she was the one on the bench.
1: Oh, so, no. So
2: I had a, a, a very nice, I think it was a 20 and a 30 on the bench, uh, on the field, and a 99 sitting on the bench. So, Delightful, mm. it? I was just going to say uh, on, on Mariana
1: Anthony one. I'm, I can't take credit for her; like I didn't pick her, and I will. It's funny that you picked her because my point was going to be on the Carlton episode. I named her mm. as someone to watch out for this mm-hmm. year, and you were like, "Wow, that is speculative. That is far out there." Which, Which is why, why I picked her really because
2: that's exactly what I like. <laughs> but the thing, like, oh,
1: that sounds like the, me. But, the irony, <laughs>
2: but the, the irony was, I ended up keeping my Marrerasmasher team as players only under 10% ownership. So she wasn't that highly owned in magic in particular. And I was really, really struggling to pick midfield rookies. In in
1: terms of the actual important discussion to have here, as opposed to our personal gloating, uh, what kind of role does she have? And is it sustainable? So no, not a single kind of minute of like inside CBA midfield time for, for Mez Anthony. The one thing she did have is a nice wing role. Now, Typically, we don't like wing roles from people named in the midfield because you want players with midfield positional rankings who are actual midfielders. But I will say that that Carlton team was allowing at least two of their uh, half-backs and or wingers to stream in basically off every stoppage, so not just off CBAs. So for a large portion of the game, it was Amelia Vallado, and Mariana Anthony, who were just coming in from one wing and from half back in through the stoppage. So that's why Anthony had such high tackle numbers. So unfortunately, I don't know if that's a permanent thing that Carlton is going to do because it is a completely new coach. And secondly, I will say Mariana Anthony is a rookie. And last season, she, well, she would not be probably playing on ground. It would be Amelia Vallado on the wing. I mention that because we're expecting, or I would expect, Gab Pound to be back this week. And Gab Pound is a player that would sit at halfback and who would then otherwise push possibly someone like Emilio Velado, up onto the wing. So there are some flags for picking Anthony if you are considering it. Because as much as I think that the role is about as good as a winger, a rookie winger, is going to get if they're named in the midfield, it does come with some flags.
2: Yeah, there's also Karen Peterson still missing from that team as well. So, and
1: she she's winger halfback yeah. too, and that's three weeks
2: away. Mm. I think uh, that's it, that's a good transition actually to another Carlton player, friend of the pod, Harriet Cordner. She was incredible. The reason I actually want to bring up Harriet Cordner is because I I went into this round and thought Harriet Cordner's got huge ownership. We knew she had huge ownership, and I was only going to play a rookie on the bench. So I went for a, a genuine cheap one. I saved that four grand and didn't pick Cordner, much to my un- misfortune. But the reason I did that was pre all of these changes. I was like, Oh, if she goes well, whatever. I'll pick her next week because she'll only go up, you know, 20, 30 K or maybe if she has a fantastic game, 50 K. And that just hasn't happened. So Harriet Cordner is basically now out of, out of my, calculations unless I were to drop one of my premium players, which I don't want to do. Um, So it it, it has made it really interesting around the rookies because you basically have to pick them straight away.
0: It is like you're reading my mind with everything you just said, the ownership, the not picking the rookies on field, the regrets, the price change, expecting it not to be that high. Regrets. Crazy. Um, However, I am in a unique position where my backline is shit. So I have a number of expensive mid-prices that I can trade out and I actually have broad coordinates. Nice. In, which our conversation is a little bit around, do you bring any of these high-scoring rookies if you don't have them already? I think to answer that from my perspective, if you're in a position where you've got some absolute flops and they're mid-prices and they've stayed relatively mid price, like they've lost some money but they're still up there, and trading, it's now disgusting to say, but you're trading across to what was a rookie one round ago with your mid-pricer, then that is, like, it's painful, but do it now rather than hold your loss and just watch it get even worse. Now is a good time to do that because Cordoner's trajectory is up, other players' trajectory is down. But if you're doing this at the expense of a player that you like and that you actually see yourself wanting to keep, do you do that trade? I think Maybe not.
1: I think, though, of the players here that you, I would be trading for, number one would be Matilda Schultz.
2: Mm.
1: Yes. Because if you haven't got her as one of your rookie rucks, she looked really, really good, and she is still, I think, gettable, particularly because mm. a lot of people came into this round, or at least what I saw on Twitter and what I saw online, a lot of people came in with extra cash. I think that's one place that you could really apply it if you've only got a Davis- Or a whore, I think that of all of the rookie rucks that we've seen debut in the last three years, that was the best performance we've seen so far against a very established side. And then I think there's an argument to be made for Tam Luke, but I wonder if either of you guys have any queries about that.
2: Yeah, I've I've got two points on that. I traded out Matilda Scholes late because I thought, oh, she's coming up against an established team. And Aaron Haw, even though it is against a really good ruck, Solo rucking. Terrible decision. So I'm bit, I'm looking to shuffle my rucks this week. Tam Luke played against uh, Steph Wales in the ruck, who we know she really, really dominated last season. And she comes up this week against Alice Edmonds, who just took um, Aaron part in the ruck. So it's a much more difficult um, ruck lineup, ruck matchup rather. So for me... I don't think she's going to bomb it, but I don't think the heights are quite there for for Tam Luke. I think Scholes is probably the safer option, though obviously Luke is a forward in this game.
1: Yeah, and I, the other thing to mention as well is, and this was something that we did get asked on Twitter, and apologies for not having got the name, but is to what extent do we think that Lucy Wales coming back will affect Tamara Luke's scoring? Mm-hmm. And I would say that it would... Probably. So she had like a top five hit-out number of all time against Essendon, and partly that was due to the fact she was going up against a 19-year-old who she just kind of lent on and and bullied around. I would say you could maybe expect 30 fewer points a game if Tam Luke isn't getting full-time ruck minutes against a teenager. And I think that Lucy Wales coming back, you might see a 50-50 split that might mean that she's your F5 if you really do want to run that or if she's on your bench, so be it. But I think that her elevated price makes it really difficult.
0: I did want to say that, like, she was all over the tackles as well, so that is another source of her points. Mm. Although I have just gone back and checked the scores and she got 42, 42 hit-outs outs and Huge. six tackles. Yeah. So hit-outs are a large portion
2: of it. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, she
0: will still be – like, she she was everywhere. She's really strong. So there is definitely points potential there, mm. but is it 87 again? Yeah. I, th-
2: no. I think this was probably one out of the box.
0: Yeah. On our worst rookies, uh, we've got <laughs> Ortlip here, um, yeah. which is an interesting one because I don't think it's one that we ever particularly thought was going to be amazing anyway, um, as that, that said politely. Um, we've got Mia Bush, uh, Aaron Fitzpatrick, who, you know, debut. Actually, yeah, the, uh, Aaron Fitzpatrick's debut. Tayana Smith's return um, and Alana G's debut, all of these fairly low scores, actually Alana G being the highest of those with 31. Um, Who's got an opinion on this? I'm going to throw it to Will. Sorry, Liam.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have several opinions on this, in particular on Alana G. I talked Alana G up hugely prior to the season starting And the reason for that is every single thing we'd heard about Alana G was that she was a ready-made midfielder who was going to maybe not play every single CBA, but maybe have sort of a a wing half-back role and float into Mm. that midfield and, you know, basically be Charlie Rowbottom take two. And that just did not eventuate. She basically played the entire game as a back pocket, which was horrendous for scoring. And I was devastated, not from a scoring point of view, but just from a game point of view, because I was like, everything I've heard suggests she's going to be this superstar midfielder, so why is she sitting in the back line?
0: And what shocked me is I was at that game early, so I was watching her warm up and watching her kick these goals with, like, 45 metres out, being like, oh, power, like, power, great. If she doesn't play midfield, maybe they'll put her forward and she'll kick some goals. What? Why was she playing halfback? Like, it just made no sense. So that one was really disappointing to me. But do you trade her out for that?
2: I don't, I don't think you do. I think she hasn't made enough money that it's worth it. Like for all we know, Yeah, f- I think for a lot of these players, if you have them, you're probably stuck holding them because yeah, because um, trade to who? Because <laughs> it's to who? Because you're basically looking at maybe at best a fifteen to twenty thousand dollar increase if a new rookie comes in this week.
0: Yeah, and Liam, if you had one to talk about, uh, which of these worst rookies?
2: Do you have an opinion
1: on? I can give quick opinions on two, and then I think there's a serious discussion on another. So Mm. Taylor Ortlick, she scored two points. She'd come in highly raps from kind of people within the AFL media space. But the reason why she sucked is she basically played as a sub. She played 15% time on ground. She came on only in the fourth quarter. And I think, as it turns out, she probably should have played for longer because Carlton very nearly ran out of legs. So... Mm.
2: That was a big issue Very strange. It's a very
1: strange role that we've never seen. I've never seen that in the AFLW before. Like, literally don't play them until the fourth quarter. Like, only as a sub. It was very odd. Mia Bush, that one was one of the best shit scoring performances you'll ever watch. She (laughs) absolutely clamped Greta Bodie. Mm. Greta Bodie, all Australian, kind of high-priced recruit, could not get a touch. She had seven touches Mm. on the night. Absolutely blanketed. Apparently... I have heard one touch when Mia was on the ground.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where, as you say, Liam, fantastic, but lockdown defenders don't score. Bugger. Lockdown
1: defenders don't score. Now, I don't know if that role is going to stay there all year, but I think that it's, yeah, it's one of those ones where she's probably just so cheap, you can't change. The rookie, though, that I really need to talk about, and I think is one that everyone cares about, is Tiana Smith, because she was someone that a lot of people were running at, M five, I made a very late change to go to Georgia Nanskorn, like within the last like half an hour before the game, because Whoa. I just couldn't get, I could not get the idea out of my head that Tiana Smith and St Kilda were going to become roadkill <laughs> for the Kangaroos.
0: Did you listen
1: back to your five-minute roundabouts and Kilda's coaching? Oh, and you yeah. were like, "No, nah, oh. get him off." <laughs> <laughs> like, Wait a minute! Like, I, I actually don't rate them at all. And you don't as say. it, <laughs> as it turns out, as it turns out, it was for good reason. It was for good reason. The question becomes, and it's something that we got asked on Twitter, and I know is being talked about online, which is, what do you do about Tiana Smith? Do you trade her out? Because she had not a great role. Do you chalk this up to being a really quiet game, someone who's coming back rusty? Because the thing that I didn't like is I didn't see the tackles that I wanted to see that she had in her first mm. season.
0: I think you either keep her or you swap her with your other <laughs> mid-rookie like a Alana G or someone who, like we've just said, you don't trade them out. Um, I think that if you've got you know, you, you've got one bad person on your bench. Maybe because I've played Moreira's Magic and that was my first introduction to fantasy, I'm pretty used to having like multiple rookies on the field, which n- not all of them do well. So to me, the fact that I can actually look at my lineup and go, okay, I've got T. Smith or Alana G on the field. I don't know which one of them is going to do better. They're probably, you know, Alana G's role, T. Smith's role as well. Um Cop it like there's not a lot of trade options here,
2: Will. Yeah, and I think most people there's a fairly simple solution, which is you just put on Nanscorn. Um, I think that's going to be a pretty common swap. Most people would have had Nanscorn mm, on the bench if not Tiana Smith.
0: That's actually what I've already done. Yeah, I I, about I've that. done
2: that as well. <laughs> and Liam would beat us all to the, to the punch mm. there by doing it before Good the round. Call. So go, Liam. Um, I think I think the thing for me with Tiana Smith is we've, we've said it before, hasn't made enough money to really be a viable trade-out. I still think there is potential for T-Smith. For T- we know that she can score well. It's her first game in over two years. Hopefully it's just a rusty game and she can come back and maybe find a bit of form. For now, I think it's a hold just because you don't really have a whole lot of other options, to be completely honest.
1: And we saw what low possession getting high tackling midfielders did against the Bombers because Tamara Smith had double figure tackles. And then we also saw Emily Bates have double figure tackles as well. So if ever there was a week to kind of come back, I think that Gene Anscorn and Tiana Smith could both have kind of sixties or seventies this week. Mm. Now I know that's bold for me to think from anyone from St. Kilda can get to 70, Um but you know Nikki Zanos can do it, then so can Tiana Smith
2: and Hannah Priest,
1: who was one of my picks in the back line. So I was pretty <laughs> happy that, with that. that. That was that was a good pick. Now do I? F- now, Will, here's a question for you. Do you think Nick Del Santo should be playing her in the midfield or in the back line?
2: I think in the midfield because it's better for my fantasy. No, no, I <laughs> that's not the question I asked Nick Del Santo.
0: Well, 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 boys. Speaking of. Uh... Hannah Priest and Mid Prices. I'm going to forcibly move nice. us along to Good segue. Our fourth Good segue. That I had to force my segue in there, but I made it. I'm going to move us along to our fourth hot topic, which is the must-have mid prices. And this is a much nicer alliteration for someone with my speaking. So who are the must-haves and the trade-outs? Liam, you've got a couple of names here as your must-haves. Love them all. Have them all. Talk so
1: it. Uh, I we'll think the on number after. one must-have is Laura Gardner, and if you don't have her, you've not been listening enough. Yep. I think her role is excellent. She is the number one CBA midfielder. The only reason she didn't have more scoring in the first bit of the game is because no one was scoring in the first mm. bit of the game. I think that she is someone that can consistently hit above 80, and I, don't, I doubt she will leave your side this year, but for injury, the one that I really do love and they have much lower ownership, I think they're at 10%, and that's Tani Evans, I think that Tani Evans has the potential to be D1 this year because she is a just like the she just takes everything out of that GWS backline and she is. An intercept marking great. Like I know Brenna Tarrant took those three intercept marks in that final quarter, but I would have said that up to that point, it was unequivocal that Tani Evans's intercept marking had changed the game for GWS in the second and third quarters, and she had almost single-handedly moved the metres gained and intercept marking to the point where she is almost their most important player if they're playing Elise Parker as a forward.
2: Yeah, and I think speaking to Tani Evans, similar to Laura Gardner, if you didn't pick her, you probably haven't been listening to us enough because I think all three of us have at various stages really talked up Tani Evans this year. So I I saw her as a a pretty sure thing and we were thankfully vindicated because we weren't always vindicated. But um, but yeah, I I, I watched that game and as you say, Liam, she was clearly the best defender at least on the ground in the first half, if not the whole game.
0: Yeah. I actually put uh, my – pick of her down to you, Will. For some reason oh, what you. you said about Tanya Evans, maybe Liam said it too. Yep. Everyone I think, I think, said many names, but in my head I just have Will mentioned. I see Tani I see Tanya Evans, Evans
2: very similar to Laura Gardner, which is I was the vocal one, but Liam definitely agreed. What? Well I did okay. I did the Sydney episode. I did the
1: GWS
2: yeah. episode. I think Tanya Evans was our number one player you, for GWS I think, I think, I think, the, I think the problem here is that we've probably talked about Laura Gardner pretty much 90% Laura of the Gardner time I'll so. give you.
1: we've we've talked about Laura Gardner a lot
2: <laughs> we you have talked mentioned ab- that she was she, you showed us her I stats. shouldn't have brought this up. <laughs> uh, well, we 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 really need to stop talking about who picked who because the important thing is the pod picked them and we as a team were right um <laughs> which is so, what what we need to focus on. So I'm going to I'm going to leave that debate because Liam <laughs> Liam and I could yeah. talk about this for for hours and we don't and have I'm much gonna- time.
0: I'm going to write off this and say this is one that I actively disagreed with and then, lo and behold, smashed it. Uh All signs in my mind were pointing to this not being a huge game for Erin Phillips, but she's come mm. back out as number one uh, for Port Adelaide, which was great to see. I don't know necessarily how long it will last, but I'm looking at the other options in Port to be getting those midfield points, and it looks like it's Erin. So I reckon... Given her price didn't go. Give me one second. How much did she go up? Okay, she went up about a hundred grand, which is substantial. Um, and she's quite highly owned, but she's she's mm. up there with the must haves.
2: I'm definitely going to give Liam the credit for this one though, because I was. Cons- oh, definitely. I was. Cons- I basically looked at Aaron Phillips and said, "She's a champion. We know she can score well. Just worried about the role and the age. We saw that last year. Liam, you absolutely nailed it. She finally has the role, and if that continues." There's a huge chance for her to be probably F2 behind the uh, the Laura Gardner, I reckon, Liam.
0: Mm. And another one that was, and like, we just spoke about how highly owned Erin Phillips, Phillips was, but Kate Sermon is only 1.3% owned, but absolutely smashed that game out of the park with a 98. Um, I don't know if you would bring her in necessarily, but.
2: <laughs> I know exactly what Liam's going to say here, which is I'm not 100% sure that the scoring there is going to be um, able to be continued. I think that Geelong's game style and she's got a role that will boost her scoring, whether that's a 90 every week, I probably doubt that a fair bit. But I think that she definitely – and I think this is the problem with the price rises actually for me is because in, an, in the normal circumstance, I would have said, oh, she's played a really good start, pick her in now, ride that wave, get rid of her. But now she's basically gone up, up so much that you can't really do that.
1: Yeah, and so of the two that we've just discussed, like you've nailed my discussion of Darcy Maloney and uh, not Maloney, sorry, Darcy. Of, of, of Darcy Sermon. Maloney. Sorry, you said. Preempted, I preempted. <laughs> with Kate Sermon. I think if you wanted to pick her for this week, like fine, they're playing Sydney. She, she could probably do that again, but I think long term that market share that she has is not going to be that high. Like she's not going to half forwards, small half forwards don't typically score above ninety. Aaron Phillips, though, I do love. But I will just flag as well, in terms of game style, uh, I think Aaron Phillips might have led the comps for marks because that was one thing that I will say about a lot of these games, and it was kind of a question that got thrown in there. It's like, how do you deal with out-of-the-box scores from different players? I would also look to kind of -of out-of-the-box statistics. So the sheer number of tackles that uh, were had in the Gold Coast and Carlton games was astronomically high. And there was very few marks in comparison. There was not a lot of run and spread. It was very contested, almost unnormally so. And then the same goes for that Adelaide and Port Adelaide game. It was extremely high number of marks and kicks. And that's why it actually took Noffy until the final quarter to really kind of get into gear. It had actually been Ann Hatchard, who'd looked like the better fantasy player for the rest of the game. And that was because... Hatchard is the mark player. Marinoff is someone who does really, really well when you do see more of those marks. Now, Erin Phillips undoubtedly looks better when she's not being asked to try and tackle 14 people when you're in your mid to late 30s. She is an incredible kick of the football and has a beautiful set of hands. Now, is that going to last week to week? I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's 60% CBAs. And I think it's the fact that she's splitting almost perfectly with Hannah Ewing's I think that that says to me that at least 50% CBAs is what we expect Erin Phillips to have throughout the year. And I think an average of around 70, 75 is not beyond the realms of possibility.
0: The reason why I mention her as a must-have is because I think when we're thinking about our round 10 team that we want to have, if we can see that performance, like you said, that we just saw in round one, stay. She's one you can, yeah, she's gone up a lot in price recently, but you could bring her in and leave her there. Now, Darcy Maloney...
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I was super happy with this performance. I've talked about it before. And the reason I talked Darcy Maloney is because I think that she has a much more uh, sustainable way of scoring than Kate Sermon. She was getting some CBAs, but she was getting marks around the around the ground. She was getting goals. She was just sort of playing as that real hybrid half forward that does get the scores. And it, it was one for me that was was a really impressive game and I know that she does have the ability to rack up the ball in a bit of that Aaron Phillips role. I, Much like some of these players we've talked about, I don't think you're looking at a 90 average, but for the price that she was at, if she can boost her average up over 60, I'm very happy with that.
1: See, the the player, the role that you've just described, I think the, player, the mid-price player you need to have to play that role is Ella Roberts because she was incredible. She was the oh, dominating force sure. in that game. If you want to have a look and say that her disposal efficiency is low, you haven't been understanding football. Her meat is gained on a game in horrific conditions. The fact she scored basically the entire time, no matter whether or not it was rain, hail, or shine. She is a gun and she only needed one CBA.
2: And the only reason I haven't put Ella Roberts here in this position is because I think she's almost a premium now because she's gone. She's, she's 150 K more and well, I get that she's still in that price band. She is that bloody good. And I completely agree with you, Liam. If you can get her in, well, having said that, the, the minor flag is she did come off injured late in the game. But can I can I reverse that
1: flag and kind of turn it in on itself? She did an interview after the game and she said, no, 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 she's fine.
2: Yeah. And that, that was what I was about to say. She every Everything said she was fine. Another benefit, if you can afford her, get her in this week because I don't think she's going to be under 900K for a whole lot longer.
1: Yeah, and and that's kind of why I've mentioned her as a mid pricer here. Mm. It it kind of there are obviously a number of forwards at that million dollar mark or at or around it at, to start the year. Is she someone worth downgrading for a couple of hundred k too? Because you think she's going to score better? I think that you could reasonably question. Yeah. If you I, downgrade I so. a Randall, a Paxi, I might even actually no, I won't say. Kate Hoare, because I thought she had a great mm. third quarter. But if she didn't have that third quarter, you probably would have Kate Hoare in there too. To an Ella Roberts or an Aaron Phillips, I think that could be a trade you do this week because Ella Roberts looked that bloody good.
2: And I, and I will say right now, that is a trade that I am currently strongly considering. Trading down a Kate Hoare, someone in my forward line, to get a bit of money to do some trades elsewhere.
0: And talking of trade outs, uh the ones we've got down here, Liam, you've already spoken a little bit about Brooke Brown as one of your disappointing players from the game earlier. Will, you've already spoken about Hayley Miller as one of your disappointing trade-outs from the game earlier. Um, a new name that we haven't heard before, uh, Zali Goldsworthy, had a very annoying game mm-hmm. to watch. Um, I had her in my side and she was just hovering, just just hovering around the ball the whole time. The Hayley Miller like, right, role. You're right there. <laughs> the Hayley right Miller there. roll. The Hayley Miller role, equally as frustrating. So to go from one game to another, I was whew, I had to really turn off the fantasy lens and just enjoy the game. Um, another one that had an annoying role, Beskini, also in my side. Shout out to Mel's Bad Decisions. Um, she just didn't look as energetic. She also had Hayley Miller vibes to me, which was not really running at full speed, not really tackling, not really throwing herself in there, kind of looked like playing her age in some way maybe. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but just kind of that's brutal. <laughs> hovering yeah, out. Oh, rough. okay, I take that back then. But
1: <laughs> what would you say, Liam? Would, I would have just said that the biggest issue that Gold Coast had is they had no halfback transition game, and that's mm. where Bess Kenny looked best because she's named as a defender, but she probably probably best sits as like a winger that drifts behind the ball during mm. the game. Gold Coast looked horrendous trying to move the ball from their back line through. If they got a CBA stoppage and they went forwards or they found a way to keep Carlton from getting it over the wing in that fourth quarter, they Carlton could not stop them. Like they've got all these super powerful players, but best Kenny works best in that zone. Same can be said for Dizzy Darcy and Kiki Howarth. They all had below average games because for whatever reason, it might've been Carlton stopping them, but Gold Coast looked atrocious trying to move the ball. So I think that that's one player to name, and kind of I, I forgot to mention it. Yeah, cause, sorry, Mel.
0: I wonder if you could single-handedly put that down to Harry Corner's amazing <laughs> performance. Like, I feel like all of those players you named, I saw them, and Corden just pops up, pops up. Like, no, doesn't oh, let it pass.
1: I, I've, I've, we have not had, we do not have enough time in this hour-long, probably episode to talk about how good Harry <laughs> her tackling as a key defender coming off an ACL recovery, the just composure. amazing. It won't get talked about in the same light as Bree Davy, but incredible. One thing I also realized in that must-have mid-prices, it's probably just like a little bit of a roughie, but I really like the role of Annalise Lister. She was basically mm. playing as a full-time midfielder instead of tagger. Yes, I
2: agree with that. And it
1: ties in nicely here because I'm currently considering trading out Brooke Brown because I didn't like her role that much, and I didn't like of that of observable thirst. So that's a name that I'm currently just going to throw in there.
0: Who was she tagging? I wrote it down in my notepad somewhere. Uh, somewhere She was tagging
1: Malloy. So Malloy did pretty well to score 72, whatever it was, or 74.
0: So, look, we could talk about mid-prices forever because there were so many of them, and we've seen our premiums go down in price. We've seen our rookies go up to mid-prices. Everyone's a mid-pricer now. But, Liam, one final thing you wanted to talk about quickly was the Neve Kelly role with the regressing to the mean. Yeah. It.
1: yeah, so that I mentioned it earlier, the question from a user on Twitter called Archie Diakono, which is a great tough basketball reference, um, around how do we go about assessing the likelihood of regressing to the mean for high scorers? I think that Neve Kelly is a prime candidate for that. She had a best-on-ground performance in the showdown and looked really, really good. But we know from having played fantasy for a long time that that half-forward ring... Wing roll, wing wall, wing wall is not a good one. It's not a, cons- or it's not a consistent one. It has some really high ceilings and some really low floors. So, I wouldn't be targeting someone like Neve Kelly. Who, if you asked me, who are the kind of five most important players for Adelaide to have the ball in their hands? Neve's not in there, and that means that she might not get targeted consistently week to week. So. That was someone we got asked to talk about. Like, yeah, okay, she, she might have looked good this week, but if I was going to talk about someone that I thought would regress, that would be the one.
2: Yeah, and I, I think for those of you who have played previously, this has Ola O'Dwyer written all over it. Oh, 100 in round one of season six. Almost the exact same player, basically. In fact, another Irish woman as well. Yeah. Um, Just just quick context for those who don't know. Basically, the exact same thing happened. Ola O'Dwyer scored a massive 100. Lots of people brought her in. And then just basically scored fifties and sixties for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, and and for, and for people that uh, last season we're talking about, or in the preseason we're talking about, Amy Smith scored you know tops of fifties and sixties for her entire career, and has one one game at one hundred and ten. Like these things happen, particularly for wingers above and all everything else. So,
2: just a flag on that one. For the record, Amy Smith fifty seven. So right in there this week
1: but with CBA. She is one as another one if you were looking to downgrade or sideways from like a Brook Brownie type of flop in your defense. That's an option.
0: She's actually my trade in at nice. the moment for one of my other terrible backline <laughs> choices. Solid. Great. So the next segment we're going to do is just a little whip around of our Sweet 16. So this is a concept that we definitely had in last season, which is where we have our Sweet 16 and we kind of did a review I think midway through mm. where we rebuilt um what our 16 on field players would look like but so that we can start talking about this early we might just do a little update on a random line by a random person each week just to keep it in the back of our minds and i'm gonna kick us off here so for the defenders because i've done so well in my defenders this week (laughs) for so you should listen to everything i say about the top five defenders but for my Sweet 16 defenders, I'm thinking these are the five that we need. Carney, I reckon she's still in the top five. She lost a tiny little bit of money this week, I believe, but she is consistent, reliable, still up there. Evans, we've already spoken a lot about. If you don't have Evans, get her now. Um, she was probably in the top five in the past, and she stays in the top five. Cortner, um, I think we all knew this was coming. She's just, her performance, she was everywhere. She started one of the, after a goal, she started somewhere in the halfback, then she was fullback. She was always running up and down the sides. She was just everywhere. Um, And we can imagine that that role is going to continue. But then on four and five, it gets a little bit confusing. We've got Stannett, who we kind of predicted was going to have a good game given the role swapsy, but actually had an amazing game. We've got Priest, who Will shouted out as um, one of the other You know, in contradiction, I don't mean to bring up St Kilda again, but in contradiction to Liam's St Kilda are screwed, we've got Will saying no, but what about Priest? Friend of the pod, long time, um, one of Will's favourite players. Look, she looked really good. Is she top five material? Is she consistently top five material? I don't know. So I think the top three for me are quite certain, and then there's a few question marks. I mean, Geordie Allen was one that pre-season we definitely also would have put in that top five. I think we still can but she's got a little bit more of a question mark on her just given that performance. But then again, they were versing Melbourne. Quick thoughts from you guys?
1: Yeah, I'd say my quick thought is I would have uh, Alan higher. I think the lack of defenders at Collingwood is a reason to kind of push her up. I think that that's a tough matchup against Melbourne, so I wouldn't read too far into it. I think you could conceivably throw Cordner Standard and Priest in a similar bucket. I actually think Priest has the best possible role, so I would put her slightly higher. Uh, and I think that Stannett was playing a role which had got a lot of inside 50 tackles. That's not a consistent stat week to week. I think that that's a reason to kind of flag that she might not be incredible. And forwards often score less than defenders. And I also think Corner's big flag is there wasn't really a matchup that was forcing her to do much on the weekend. Uh, she was basically allowed to roam free and got a lot of tackles. They also aren't consistent. So... I think there's going to be a problem with consistency. The only one that I would add in here is almost a slam dunk is Isla Sheeran. I don't think she scored that poorly in the context of Brisbane. I think that she will be someone that continues to score well, just given how impactful she is. She has an innate ability to intercept. I really like Isla Sheeran.
2: Well, Liam's basically just pulled that straight out of my brain there. You basically said every <laughs> single point in the order I had it, basically. So
0: <laughs> Great. You know what? Let's,
2: let's, let's move, move on Let's move
1: on. Then. <laughs> Is
2: the <laughs> fastest we um, a- actually, the one, the one point I will quickly make is on Geordie Allen. I agree with you that she should be higher. It'll be interesting to see how she goes this week because Ruby Slicer is expected to be back. So that'll be an interesting way. Yes. That'll be interesting to see how that shuffles things.
1: Yes, I agree. But Lauren Butler is still an unknown. We won't know until, at least until Wednesday how long that foot injury is going to be. So... I think that Allen gets pushed up a little bit just because there's one less consistent good kick and metres gain for Collingwood were horrendous.
2: Yeah, I still think Geordie Allen's a fan. I think Geordie Allen's still a fantastic pick. I've got her in my side.
1: We've got the same
0: names. We're just debating the order. Let's move on to Captain's Corner with Liam.
2: Yes, so uh,
1: for those of you who didn't uh, hear me do this last year, uh, I write an article each week. Now, I didn't write it this week, but... We'll, I'll get to that, uh, called Captain's Call, where I talk about <laughs> nice. my favourite my favorite ranked captains of the week. Uh, and obviously, we kind of went into the season thinking, oh, this will be a slam dunk. Turbo is playing and she's in 70% of teams. Until further notice, uh, she will be the number one captain every week and Noffy is in 60-something odd teams, 60-something odd percent of teams. She will be the stand-in vice captain every week until further notice. Well, it's further notice now.
2: Also, this is basically the opposite of last season where we started last year going let's not pick Bowers. And then basically from every game for about round four, it was it's Bowers it
1: into Bowers. <laughs> so as it turns out, I, I did a top seven ranking on Twitter. Uh, I intend to have an article out each week or sometime on Thursday after teams uh, with my kind of top ranked captain choices for the week. Now, In terms of the most popular captains, I'm actually going to assume it was Marinoff this week because she would have been, for everyone that kept Turbo, she was a majority of people's vice-captain. So people got that 112. I think it got downgraded late to a 112. That was a perfectly acceptable score. Um, I know a lot of people had Georgie Prasparkas in their side, but from what I can tell, that was mainly as their M3 and it would have taken a bold person to have gone Prasparkas as their VC um, and not taken... um, uh, and not take it, not gone with turbo. Uh, and then, in terms of other ones that I predicted to have gone well, uh, you know, Garner and Maddie and Georgia Presbarks ranked highly. It's just one of those weird ones where I'd love to have known how many people ended up with the different captains. And it's something we have for the AFL men's. What do you guys think people are going to do now? Like, is this really what separates the wheat from the chaff? Kind of going ahead, given we can't just pick turbo guaranteed yeah. off a knee injury.
2: Because to me. I think everyone with Georgie Prasparkas is going to pick Georgie Prasparkas. I think that's pretty fair. I think most other people, I think the highest percentage captain will be Marinoff, which is the the logical pick straight after. I think some people will go Davy just based on the 130. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think you, you, this is a week where you could, assuming that Bowers doesn't play, this is a week where you could actually, Pick a ruffie and make or break the round for you.
0: Look, we learned a lot about how captains work in the last round. <laughs> Did which we? I will not I don't think on. we learnt
2: much. I think we just got oh, more questions really. To, I think we need to do it again this time.
0: Why don't we all just captain someone who is in like minute out and then we can just assign a random person. Um I've actually put the C on on Davy. Interesting. And the VC on Noffy.
1: Yeah. So, my current rankings for kind of my rough rankings, and I will confirm these, but I think that the top three will have Georgie Prasparkas in it. It'll have Ebony Marinoff in it. Or maybe, or maybe I'll just do the, these people in the top five Georgie Prasparkas, Marinoff. I think Amy McDonald is going to be a lot higher than you're anticipating. And I also as think as, as captain. What's your current I, ownership? It's very low. Like yeah. Not, so, why do you think that
0: her captain would be high given her own? Ten percent. No,
1: no, no. I'm not predicting who will be the highest pick captains. I'm talking about who I think should, should be, be your number one choice. Oh, should for be. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Right. So, Amy McDonald is in ten percent of, basically ten percent of sides. Um, I think, and then Anne Hatchard, and I think people may be surprised in the order that they come in because I think Marinov, Hatchard, and Presparks all come with significant tag flags because. They're going up against two of the side, two of the three sides that run consistent tags. So you've got uh, Annalise Lister is now tagging at GWS. That doesn't matter as much for this week. But then you've got Meg McDonald, who's the best tagger in the comp, mm. going up against Adelaide. And that's going to be a massive question as to who they go to out of Marinoff and Hatchard. And then Bridie Kennedy was someone who tagged last year. And I will be damned if Scott Gowans isn't sitting there this week going, like, we need to do something about Georgie Prosparcus because she wrecked that game for Geelong and sides are now going to have to do something about it.
2: Mm. I want to throw one at you, Liam, because I think this is a player that a lot of people, mm, well, I-, I talked about it a bit before, Emma Swanson playing Gold Coast this week. Mm.
1: Another great call. I think Emma Swanson is going to be excellent this week. I think she's got even more avenue for tackles because we saw what. Gold Coast like to do, and that's to keep the game nice and tackle heavy. But then also we saw that the kicking prowess of the midfield at the West Coast Eagles with what Ella Roberts can do, with what we saw from Emma Swanson in the past, and then Dana Hooker, like they have the ability to go around the Gold Coast. So I think that's yeah. another great call. I think she could be a VC for me. So, yeah, stay tuned. But, yeah, each week we'll kind of give a little whip around of what scores were like last week, what who will have been highly picked, and then also what we're looking at for next week.
0: Awesome. So, I mean, this was a very long round one review, but I mean, we had some seriously important hot topics. I don't know about
1: you guys, but I need some serious thinking for my side uh, ahead of round two. We also had a bunch of listener questions that we just didn't manage to be able to fit into the episode. If that's the case, I will try and throw in a quick response. If it's easy, some of them are a little bit more difficult or we don't know the answer. So uh, some of those we won't be able to get to, but yeah.
0: Liam, where can they find you? And also give us a little overview of what you're thinking for trades now. I know it's early days. It's only Monday evening uh, at time of recording, but what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, Liam AFLW Fantasy, and you will see more crowing about Laura Gardner because I've already done at least once this week, and maybe there'll be some more next week. And in terms of my early trade plans, I am looking to take Brooke Brown out for Annalise Lister and then trading Erin Hall up for Brianna Davey and bringing her on field as my M4, M4 and having a Brit Bernice yet M5. And then for my third trade, I am very much undecided. I think I'm about 120K. I've got to make a choice to trade up uh, a rookie that I from a rookie that I don't necessarily like the roll up to someone that can make some more cash, or do I flick around an underperforming premium to another
2: mid-pricer slash premium who I like the roll of?
0: I like it. Um, Will, what about
2: you? You can find me on Instagram and the Twitter. You can find me at H underscore VI. That is number six. (laughs) And my rough trade plans, my first trade is very, very straightforward, which is Miller straight over for Davey. Gets a bit more interesting from there. I'm tossing up trading out one of Kate Hall or Chloe Malloy to get a little bit of money for someone like an Ella Roberts or maybe even Dana Hooker. And then from there, I'm not really sure what I'm currently looking at my rucks and thinking, I don't have Matilda Shoals, Do I go that? Do I go for someone a bit better? I quite like the look of Ellie Morford on the weekend. We saw that, uh, Ellie Morford came, uh, he's coming up against Geelong who gave a big score to a ruck as well. So that's something that I am tossing up, but yeah, at the moment, the only sure thing in my plans is, uh, Miller to Davy,
0: Yeah. Um, so you can find me as HiMelD on Twitter and Insta. The reason for my umming is because I know who I need to get out. I know I need Foley. Yes. Why did I bring in Foley? That's a very good question. We've avoided asking and answering that on this pod. Oh, no, we're out of time, Liam. You can't ask. Us. Oh,
1: but Mel, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I was just going <laughs> to remind listeners who weren't listening last year uh, Mel had <laughs> Andrew Foley round one last year, and it went just a smidgen bit better this year. But it's that's because of this year's nineteen.
0: <laughs> yep, um, best Keeney,
1: mm. another question,
0: and Haley Miller. So they're my outs on my ins. I just want I'm done with my specy picks. It's round one. And I'm already done with myself. So <laughs> I had currently Miller for Davy, Keeney for Kearney, sorry Keeney for Kearney, and Foley for Cordner, But now I'm like. Do I not get corner? Do I go someone more reliable? Do I not get Davy? Do I see if I can go all the way up to Bowers? I'm not too sure. Essentially, I don't
2: know. Nice.
0: Stay tuned. I'll do none of these things. Come, come uh, Friday night game, which is at five pm. So lockout for the first game will be five o five, quite yeah. early. Yeah, okay.
1: Five o five on Friday. It's important um, to delineate that because teams for Sunday get confirmed at five. So if you're trying to make a trade for Adelaide or Richmond, like you got five minutes.
2: Which is which is about the same amount of time you had to trade out uh, Kiara Bowers this week, so at least you've had some practice.
0: <sighs> yes. So you can find us for our hot takes at Free FreeKickWPod. Check out our Twitter for where we'll be putting up some interesting stats from the week around ins and trade-outs. Uh, Liam will be sharing his captain's call articles and whatnot, um, and we'll also be sharing those really important last-minute outs for the players like Bowers Huge. that we uh, saw this week. And then check out our Insta for photos that we've been taking at the games, players we've been meeting and chatting to, as well as our top scoring lines for the week. Sounds good. Chat to you later.
2: See you, See everyone.
0: Bye.